Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host, Brendan Sinone. I am not hungover. He is. Don't say that. No one knows. The draft got the best of you. I got so the best of the draft. No, don't say that. Don't say that. Do you like people who can snap the ball, Zach? Uh, yeah, I'm going to draft five centers. Better than having none. Uh, that's Zach Blostein, who you're hearing. He is joining me here on OTV as we do a instant reaction to the commitment of four-star safety slash cornerback, I guess just defensive back, depending on uh, what, what database and who you're talking to. That's Kenton Kirkland out of Jacksonville Reigns High School. He's a 490th prospect overall in the 24-7 composite. Four, four stars by 24-7, a little lower in the composite ranking with an 88 grade, high-end three-star uh, in the industry composite, but someone that FSU wanted to to get for the last, you know, about two months or so became a, a pretty high priority, month and a half maybe. Uh, and Zach, they go ahead and they beat out Kentucky and, and hold on to an in-state prospect uh, at a position of need. Yep, big time uh, get for FSU, um, especially with with how things have been trending with these recruitments where it's FSU and Kentucky for these defensive backs, right? Like we, we saw Avery Stewart um, back in, in the beginning of July um, and, and Kentucky comes out on top of that one after it seemed like he was all but set to go to FSU. Um, and then the, the same kind of timeline happens with KJ Kirkland, where he comes off the FSU visit. There's really positive um, momentum for FSU in his recruitment. And then over the next week or so, um, and the visit I'm referencing is the similar showcase event he attended um, at the end of July. Uh, K- Kentucky crystal ball started to roll in a week or so after that trip. Um, things shifted, though, over the past week. Um, we kind of got word that that um, that FSU had made a you know a good late run here, um, and that we thought that they you know made enough of a push to to land KJ. Um, we actually went over to Reigns High School in Jacksonville um, when we were over there for FSU's two fall camp practices this past week, um, and we saw KJ. Um, and, and there's a video up on the site that we did with him, kind of breaking down the FSU commitment. That's kind of that's kind of when we knew for sure. Um, but we had gotten word, um, I think it was Dane that got word from KJ himself the night before or, or just on that trip. Um, that's kind of how that all unfolded, um, the little backstory to it. Do we want to get – let's get into his game first, and then we can talk about the end of the recruitment uh, because some idiot put in a crystal ball to Kentucky a little prematurely. I'm not sure who would do that. But um, anyways, let's let's first talk about his game and I guess what stands out to him, Zach. I, I'll start off 77 inch wingspan, long arms. He's listed at six foot one and a half, uh, but, but really long arms. Also track athletes stand out in the 400. I think he finished in the bronze or say he finished, he plays with bronze in the 400 uh, in the state, uh, it's a state track meet. I was going to say state finals. I don't know how to talk about track sometimes. It's convoluted. <laughs> it's weird. You're such an expert. Thank you. Uh, anyways, he's, he's long and he's fast. And those are the traits that stand out to me, Zach. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what he is, right? Like he, um, his strengths are, or is that he's a lengthy defensive back. I think, uh, we have him at 24 seven sports, like you mentioned, listed at six foot one and a half, 187 pounds. Um, I mean, his best strength is his straight line speed. Um, that, you know, for me, I think he projects best as a safety. Um, but I'm not sure FSU, starts in there. I think, I think they probably started my corner um, early on in his career and just see how that goes. And then obviously 
Um, if they feel like he, he's better fit for safety, they'll move him back. Um, he kind of mentioned to us that they're recruiting him at the defensive back position, so it's all-inclusive, um, and that he could play multiple positions within Adam Fuller's defense. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I think I think his best attributes are his, are his length, obviously, with the, I think you said, what, 77 mm-hmm. in wingspan, which is pretty impressive. Um, and then the straight line track uh, verified speed, which we we all we have documented on his twenty four seven sports profile. And FSU likes that they've they've done a really good job. I think the staff of of dipping into like background athletically of of different players and recruits to try to find traits and tendencies that could kind of portend to to development. And he has, I think, two sisters who are D one. Uh, track athletes as well. Uh, his dad is a coach, so there's just some some background things there. They think gives uh, raises the odds a little bit of of him panning out. You know, listen, he's low end four star, high end three star prospect. I'm not trying to make this out to be th- this massive home run prospect. There are some aspects of his game that need work. Uh, he's a little clunky at times with his movements. It's weird because he's got quick feet and I think pretty loose hips sometimes, but. Also, some unorthodox movements, like he's still kind of growing into that that lengthy frame of his. Uh, so you're doing some projection there. But the the long speed that you mentioned, Zach, I think is super evident. Uh, you see that in both his junior and his sophomore highlights. The sophomore highlights, are, I think, a little bit more impressive. Uh, Chris talks about uh, Chris. And he talks about KJ being more of like a an alleyway safety, someone who can because he has that straight line speed who can come down and, and wallop a you know, running back or a perimeter screen or something like that. I, I think I see what FSU likes in him as a turn and burn corner in their cover four scheme. I'm sure the guys at X's and O's are going to talk about that on our YouTube page uh, this evening in their scouting report. But you know, so much of what FSU does with its its cover four pattern matching stuff is a lot of, if there's a vertical route, like it, it's the cornerbacks following him the entire way and kind of shading him downfield. And, and the ability to shade and to, to kind of press a, a wide receiver outside a little bit is something that stood out when watching KJ. He's able to have great recovery speed. He's able to go stride for stride with wide receivers downfield. So I kind of get it. I like him as a as an outside cornerback, at least to start out. If the technique doesn't improve the way you want it to over the next two years or so, then you say, okay, maybe maybe we try it at safety. Um, and, and a quick note, if you look at his profile, his 247 sports composite ranking is lower than his top 247 ranking. 247, like the company we're at, has him at a 90 overall rating, mm-hmm. whereas the composite is at 88. Uh, I've spoke to, to Andrew Ivins, our Southeast re- recruiting analyst, um, guy who is on the rankings committee for 247, and he's honestly really high on KJ. Um, and he thinks he's one of the only guys like in the industry that that is um, super high on him. So I mean that's a that's a good thing. Like Ivans has has you know seen a lot of prospects come through the state of Florida, um, so he knows what he's looking at, especially with the DB position because he's located in South Florida. So he's pretty high on KJ, and that and I think that's reflected in in the top two four seven rankings uh, as you can see on his profile. Yeah, banking on on length and speed at cornerback isn't a a bad uh, that's a good baseline of skill sets to kind of hit your wagon to. I think Florida State athletically thinks there's some like shades of Azaria Thomas. I think Azaria is a more natural uh, playing the ball and and more just fluid put together athlete, which why he was a high end four star. But I get it. I see, I see what they're envisioning in terms of like what what KJ could become with with some polish. So uh, I get it. 
Um, as far as the recruitment, it's good for Florida State to beat out Kentucky <laughs> for a defensive back in the state of Florida. I know that the fan base was getting pretty anxious about that after the Avery Stewart deal. And as honestly, Zach seemed like it was going the direction of that with just, uh, so I got to be careful what I say with just NIL, opportunity, NIL opportunities, we'll call it opportunities. Uh, and all right, I'm going to, I'm going to work this shock this uh, right now. We can always go back and edit it if need be. I don't think so. I think I'll nail it. It'll be a little clunky, but I think it'll be informative, which is what I aim to be clunky and informative. I think that KJ's camp anticipated FSU to have opportunities that Kentucky was presenting. You know, when a player gets, to, you can't induce a player and say, this is what you're going to get, but you can just say, this is what other people at your position have gotten before. And I think that the family maybe thought that FSU would be able to get to a certain place. And I don't think that's something that any collective regarding around Florida state would, would be willing to do. And Ultimately, the kid wanted to come to Florida State, and I think that was that relationship and the potential, the relationship with the coaches, the way they they sold him and his development, and the chance to play in state at Florida State was more important than potential opportunities at Kentucky. That was so clunky. But did it make sense? It was so informative. Okay, that's all we want: informative and clunky. That's fine. That's fine. We can deal with it. Is that good? Do you think that's kosher, Zach? Yeah, no okay. editing needed. Okay. So do you want to move off of KJ Kirkland now? Do you have anything to add? No, I think I think it was a good get for FSU. Um, I think we've covered it extensively. Um, tons of content on the site with KJ kind of explaining the decision. You'll have your scouting report um, and, and I'm sure a few other items. Maybe X's and O's guys will do a scouting report as well. They they do. A little birdie told me. A little birdies aren't welcome here anymore after the whole J-Trap thing, but... I do think wow. that, yeah, I do think that you killed the little birdie. <laughs> it's dead to me. No, I didn't kill it, it's just dead to me. We don't have a relationship anymore. Wow. All right, let's get to a few scrimmage notes before we get out of here, Zach. You and I made some calls, worked the phones, did all that good stuff after FSU's second scrimmage of preseason camp. Uh you know, one aspect people are gonna want us to talk about is injuries and whatnot. And there were injuries, I believe, to the point to where FSU kind of had to not even had to, but just decided, hey, let's just cut this the scrimmage short and not extend it you know, any longer to where it is uh, and kind of evaluate where, where some things are. But I don't want to get into specifics on that right now. And that's not even just a – that's not an FSU policy thing. Like, I, if we get the information, we have the information. It wasn't something that we observed at practice. That, that yeah. is the difference. Uh, but just professional courtesy, I will give Florida State a chance to to run its test and you know see where a few of these things are at and let you know the coaching staff uh discuss it if they want to and then we can go from from there so i'll give them some time we don't speak to coach norvell on sunday or monday uh so it'll be tuesday the first time and and we'll see if they have developments by then uh it wasn't anyone that was projected to be starter but still depth is important anyways that's all we'll say on that for right now uh, as that develops that'll hopefully have some clarity in, in days from now uh in the interim zach uh, what are some things that stood out to you? And, and one, listening to the press conference from the coaches, and then two, uh, talking to different sources about the scrimmage. Oh, this is all from sources. No press conferences needed. Um, Whoa, my man, yeah, so, dropping them. 
So I heard um, Lawrence Toffoli had a good day on the ground um, and that the offense as a whole had, had a few explosives. I was told four to five explosive plays on the defense. But the thing to note is that the defense, um, and I'll reference a press conference, uh, Adam Fuller mentioned that the defense, although they did give up some explosives, they didn't allow the offense to score off of the, uh, off of those explosives um, at, like a lot. I think it was there was one that I that I know of, um, a long touchdown pass from AJ Duffy to Marcus and Douglas biscuit, um, which was also referenced by Norvell, I believe. Yeah, see, you are having to reference the press conference. Well, I'm just giving it as extra extra support. To yes, what I'm saying it's helpful. It's um, we're, we're Jamie Robinson safety, Brendan. Jamie Robinson's safety, I was told, it was all over the place. One of his best outings um, th- this, you know, preseason camp. Uh, we, you know, over the past week or so, he he's kind of turned it on. Norvell mentioned that he was super competitive, um, and and we've seen that at practice. Um, and then another thing, the defensive tackle depth. I feel really good about Josh Farmer and Jared Jackson. Heard both those guys had good scrimmages. Obviously, they keep the 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 ones like Rob Coop and Fabian Lovett on a snap count during these scrimmages because they obviously know what they've got in those two guys. Uh, but jo- I was told Josh Farmer and Jared Jackson had really good uh, outings uh, on Saturday. And then um, I was told C.J. Campbell, uh, walk-on running back, had a really nice run um, where he ran over a couple of defenders, including a veteran FSU linebacker. Um, we don't want to mention names of people. Yeah, I'm not trying to call anyone out. No. Don't want to get anyone smoked. Um, Bless Harris, offensive lineman, I was told had a good – or we we noticed that he had a really good week. Um, and, and I thought, uh, talking to sources, that he had a really good performance during the scrimmage. Um, and then a few other guys uh, to note, Thomas Schrader and Darius Washington were, were some of the guys working at the center position. Um, as they try to cross train a, a few at that position throughout camp. Do you like um, players who can snap? I really like players who can snap. Me too. Build a whole team around them. And then final note, I thought this was really noteworthy um, from, from someone I spoke to. They said Sam McCall has really turned it on as a in the return game um, for FSU special teams, which is huge. Um, the true freshman, I was told, um, kind of struggled a little bit. I mean, we, we've seen him go, go through ups and downs, uh, in the return game, but I was told he's, he's looked like a five-star prospect over the past week or so. And, and especially during the scrimmage, um, that was something someone had mentioned to me um, about his performance uh, in special teams. And obviously we've seen him capitalize on, on a few interceptions over the past couple of weeks. Um, you can see on coach Adam Fuller's Twitter, the, the, the mission takeaways, and, and we've seen it. McCall had one in Jacksonville, and I believe he had one last scrimmage as well. So uh, a young guy that, that looks poised to, to contribute in some way to FSU, uh, FSU's team this upcoming year. Uh, you know, what were your observations, Brendan? I know you spoke to several people that were there. Yeah, real quick on Sam McCall, worth noting that John Papucci, special teams coordinator in the press conference afterwards, Zach, uh, hey. mentioned, <laughs> mentioned – that uh, he mentioned Sam McCall as a candidate to start at both kickoff return and punt return. He didn't want to name starters, said he would let Coach Norvell do that. But uh, in terms of guys who were going to have a chance to return kicks, that was Trey Benson, Deuce Span, and Sam McCall. So, yeah, he's in one of uh, basically one of three, and you got to put two back there. So, pretty good chances there. And then at punt return, Micah Pittman, Keyshawn Helton, 
and McCall again. I, I think Micah Pittman's probably your number one punt returner, but uh, if you need a spark, if you need someone particularly dynamic, if you're kind of desperate at any point in the game or something like that, and you need you need some kind of life uh, energy jolted into you, uh, maybe I say jolted, infused, jolted, uh, throw in Sam McCall. Uh, seems like they they're building trust in him as a as a returner. Uh, yeah. So in terms of some things that I got, first off, let let's start off that that quarterbacks. Uh, Jordan Travis only had a couple series in the scrimmage. They know what they have with with Jordan. I think this is a reflection on them feeling really good about what he's done in preseason camp, both in just kind of the mastery of the offense and and knowing what he's looking at, getting guys in the right position, checks, and then executing it as well. Uh, from a you know, throwing perspective, frankly, he's, he's been very solid there and uh, apparently went off in Jacksonville when I wasn't around. So, uh, so yeah, uh, that's going to be something that that's worth watching is that Florida state wanted to get younger quarterbacks in the mix, right? You want to get AJ Duffy and Tate Rodemaker extensive work in relation, in, in addition to feeling good about J trap. So Rodemaker and Duffy end up both getting reps with the ones, which is noteworthy. Uh, I think the fact that Duffy is getting some of those at-bats, I think that primarily was Tate from what I understand, which makes sense. I think he's the number two pretty clearly right now. But AJ continues to be someone who does well with the opportunities he's given. There's still a lot of rookie mistakes that are made in terms of just uh, processing the game and, and things moving fast, but it is getting progressively slower for him as things go on. I heard there weren't any of these like horrid, awful rookie mistakes during the scrimmage. So that's good. That's getting cleaned up progressively. Uh, less and less of that happening. Uh, so he's getting more confident. Those, those issues, those miscues are being reduced. Uh, Tate apparently was really good in just getting the offense in position to make plays. Uh, was able to push the ball downfield a little bit and uh, and did a really good job just even like pre-play uh, getting in checks and whatnot. And, that, and that's a big thing for him is to to continue to show that he knows the offense at a high level. So like nothing super flashy there among the quarterbacks, but it does sound like they they managed the game pretty well. Uh, wide receiver, I heard that Johnny Wilson was really good yet again. Uh, he's just you know, when you get into the red zone, just someone that they have a, a, just inherently a lot of trust in. He's he's six foot seven, and uh, he's had a good end to camp. I think he's had one bad day, but really the, the stretches of good have, have outweighed the bad by far. Uh, Coach Norvell mentioned Michael Pittman as someone who's made plays downfield, as well as Deuce Span and Malik McLean. Uh, three of those guys are on team landing stickers for a reason, and then. Uh, also, you mentioned Marcus and Douglas. Uh, apparently, like it was like a, a linebacker tripped up a little bit in covering him. And uh, what was impressive on that 40-yard touchdown pass, Zach, is that he turned on the Jets. And I think even like Alex Atkins said afterwards, he didn't know that Markson had. And, and yeah, so apparently after the, the linebacker tripped, Markson turns up field and, and scores um, from 40 yards out, but, but just had a little extra speed. And he's been someone who's been ascending. Uh, Wyatt Rector got to give shout out there, but but for real, he did have a, a solid scrimmage. He was someone Mike, Mike Norvell highlighted, and I think he had about three or four deep uh, deep uh, receptions. Which you know he's someone who has some some legit vertical speed that that can help out at times uh, this season. So yeah, those are some things I heard about the offense and, and kind of what worked well uh, during the day. Whew. It's a lot, a lot of information that we did. Uh, clunky but informative. 
That's our MO. That's my MO. Last thing I want to get to here. So FSU is wrapping up camp. This is the final week. This will be the, I guess, the finishing touches on getting the first depth chart solidified. I think that at this point they have a pretty good idea of who's going to be able to help early in the season. It's just a matter of defining the roles, who's the starter, who's a sub-package player, who's someone they think they're going to get two or three series in a game, who's someone's going to get seven or so and be a guy who plays every down almost. Uh, for you, Zach, I want to get your thoughts. Three areas that you feel really good about right now as FSU kind of is putting the finishing touches on camp. I feel really good about the first team defense. Um, I think you have a solid starter at almost every spot um, and some quality depth at almost every spot. I think there, there's some depth issues maybe at linebacker, Right. Like I think like you have the solid top three in Tatum Bethune, DJ Lundy and Kalen DeLoach. But after that, you know, you have Amari Gaynor, who's kind of, you know, a little Sit- bit of fish out of water type Situ- um, situational. player. Yeah. Perhaps. He, he's, he's a great situational player, but not a guy that you probably want to rely on every single down. Um, I feel good about the offensive line depth. Um, I think, you know, with an injury like Caden Lyles, like I think last year that probably devastates your O-line um, a lot more than it does this year. I think you have, you know, a lot more depth. Um, and then I feel pretty good about the running back position. Um, I wasn't going to say quarterback, but, I, you know, I feel really good about J-Trav, obviously. But after that, it's kind of a question mark. Like I think Tate's, you know, stepped it up a bit, but I still am not super comfortable with that, you know, Tate or Tate or AJ are ready to go in and, and win you games um, if Jay mm-hmm. Sharp goes down. So I'll say running back, I think Trey Benson is that dude. I think um, he's had a really good camp. Treshawn Ward, um, I really like him. Um, I think he he provides, you know, the, the shiftier aspect to your running game. Um, and then to Lawrence Sofili, I think he's really turned it on over the last week. He was really impressive in Jacksonville, had multiple scores. Um, and I think, um, they've got a solid group there. And, and I'm not even mentioning a guy like guys like CJ Campbell or Rodney Hill. Um, I think Rodney is a guy that, that, you know, FSU feels like they could rely on this, this coming year, which is surprising because, you know, he wasn't this heralded recruit out of high school. Um, but he's had a really nice camp as well. So those are the three areas I'm pretty confident on right now on, on FSU's team. Um, Brendan, what about you? Ooh, I wasn't even expecting it to be thrown back to me to curveball. Whoa. All right, let's see. I feel really good about the the heart of your defense. Uh, so by that, I mean like the defensive tackles, the linebackers, and the safeties, like down the alleyway. Uh, Fabian Lovett, Robert Cooper, you know what you're getting with those two, just really high-end defensive tackles. The depth that you alluded to earlier, Zach, with uh, Jarrett Jackson and Josh Farmer kind of coming on, and you add that to Malcolm Ray, who's very solid and steady. Uh, I think you – you have to feel really good about that. I'm super high on the linebacker group, probably more than most. I really like Tatum Bethune. I think he just instantly stabilizes what you have inside. But I'm also really impressed with what I've seen with Kalen Deloach and DJ Lundy at times this preseason. So I think that group has gone from a weakness to a potential strength, even with you know some potential depth concerns. I mean, you have you only play two linebackers at a time, and you have three, I, I believe, capable starting linebackers, which – I haven't felt that way in a while. And that safety of Jamie Robinson and Akeem Dent, uh, plus Jarquez McClellan is reliable safety. Shaheen Brown is someone that I think is going to play a good deal this year, and, and they are pretty high on him. And then you still have Sidney Williams, who has starting experience as well. So 
that's a strength for me for sure. I think you, you want to be strong down the middle of the defense. Uh, I'm going to say Jordan Travis is a strength for me. Like I, I feel really good about what he's done this preseason and it just seems like he's someone who's growing on what he did the year before. And remember the year before he grew on what he did the year before that. Uh, finally, Zach, I'll, I'll I'll piggyback here, the run game, the running back specifically. And part of that is Jordan Travis with the run game. But Trey Benson, I think, is the real deal. Him and Trey Sean Ward are going to make a nice one-two punch. And the other guys you mentioned as well as being complementary role pieces. Like That was a position that I was pretty low on going into the spring. And after seeing it, and because of the access we have, talking to sources, uh, just I feel really good about what that position could be this season. So those are three strengths. Uh, let's wrap this up. Three areas of concern. Uh, let's tag team. Let's just combine on it together. Uh, do you want to say? Uh, I'll start off and let me know if you agree with this. I, I think wide receiver consistency is still an issue for me. I'll, I'll lump tight ends into that too. I mean, I think uh, Markson Douglas and White Rector had a good last week of practice, including the scrimmage, but you know, still dynamic. Uh, you wonder how dynamic that position group can be. And I don't, I think that's still one that, that could be lacking at times and at wide receiver. Uh, it's just inconsistent. So there's some days where you have Deuce Span and Johnny Wilson light it up and other days where you have multiple drops. And just if that carries over into the season sack, like that just means you're going to have some really good games and some games that the offense bogs down and there's drive killers in there. And, and to me, that's still a, an area of concern exiting the preseason. I, I'll add to that. Like I agree with your point. And I also think that FSU doesn't have a true number one receiver. Um, I think, Probably Johnny Wilson's close to that. Micah Pittman, maybe. Um, but you don't have a guy that's that's lining it up every single down, that's getting separation on defensive backs, like, consistently. Um, I still think that's an issue, too. Like, I think, like, it, it's been better, right? Like, we, we noted last season, like, FSU's receivers got no separation on defensive backs and didn't help Jay Trav at all. Um, I think that it's gotten better. Um, but I think like a guy like Winston Wright would help would have helped so much with that and can still help, obviously, if he comes back this season. Um, but, man, it, it's tough. Like, I, I think Johnny Wilson provides an aspect that that FSU hasn't had to its passing game in a long time with the fact that he doesn't really need to be wide open. Like he can go up and get a ball. He can, you know, his wingspan allows him to kind of reach out for a ball near the sideline like there, there's a lot of aspects to FSU's passing game that can be unlocked through Johnny Wilson, but he's not been consistent in catching the ball to a, to a degree that you, you'd like heading into the season, right? Like he's still dropping the football too often um, for a guy that that's seems primed to be one of your top passing targets this upcoming season. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be a feast or famine dynamic for the wide receiver group, which is again I think improvement from when it was largely just famine. Uh, not to be too snarky with it, but it just wasn't wasn't great last year. So I think it is still elevated. I just think it's going to be good days and bad days. Uh, uh, another area, let your turn. You, you nominate something for uh, an area of concern. Uh, tight end. I think tight we kind end? of lump that. In. I think we lump that in. With, oh, uh, you know, okay, all right, fine. We'll just say tight end. Fine. That's true. Go ahead. No. Tight end is, I think, one of the biggest worries on this whole team, right? Like, I think, like, Cam McDonald obviously uh, should be here back and practicing soon. Um, but besides him, man, like, it, it's tough. Like, I think 
I'm really high on Brian Courtney, but I don't know if that's a guy you want to rely on in year one. Um, we've noted that Jackson West has issues catching the ball. Um, Markson Douglas has turned it on some in camp, but it doesn't seem like he's a guy that, that FSU is ready to rely on completely. Um, he's probably a year away from yeah. ideally. Yeah. Um, so, so like Cam McDonald, right? Like I, like he's a solid tight end option, but you know, as we noted in the spring when he was practicing, like he wasn't super impressive. He kind of, he kind of got boggled down a little bit um, and wasn't super noticeable during the spring. You know, obviously that could change, but he hasn't been going at it um, for, for FSU's fall camp practices yet. Um, so we'll see. Um, but, but right now, like that's not a group I'm super confident in. I don't think they have a lot of good options. Like they have, they have quantity. I don't know how much quality they have in that, in that room right now. I'll, I'll allow that to be an area of weakness. That's fine. Thank you. Yeah, I was going to defend, uh, you know, YY and, and Biscuit and all my guys there, but um, it's fine. It's fine. I'm I'm still working through some things. I don't have the energy to fight. What's the final weakness? All right. So the first, so a lot of what I'm thinking of are more depth things, and they're not even depth of like bad depth. Just like oh, if worst case scenario happens, right? So, like, if J-Trav gets hurt for an extended period, you mentioned that you're not sure if either the quarterbacks with Rodebaker and A.J. Duff, even though they're they're showing signs of growth, if they're ready to come in and win games. is really, like, if any team loses its starting quarterback, like, how many are well-equipped to, to deal with that? So, uh, we could take put that on the table. It's like, is quarterback depth, you know, where, where you want it? I mean, I think Tate Rodebaker can go in and not, like, do what, what he did in 2020, which is just be to where you can't function. Um, but let's see what else. I think maybe like, I mean, I like Dennis Briggs, Jared verse and Derek McClendon a good deal, but like, I think versus is going to have his good days and his days where like a, a more technically sound, more advanced offensive tackle kind of keep him locked up. And I'm not sure if Derek McClendon is going to be able to be like a dominant force. I think he'll be steady. So I have some concerns about the pass rush. Not a, not a ton. I don't know if I'd call that a weakness. And then finally, I was going to say maybe cornerback depth. Like we think, you know, we like what Omari Cooper has done in the spring and camp, a building off of his freshman season. Renato Green's been solid. Jerry and Jones has been solid this preseason. Azaria Thomas has had some uh, brilliant moments. But I don't, I don't know. I don't know if FSU has like a solidified number two cornerback, but these are getting like, these are nitpicky things that I'm discussing, which I think is maybe showing where the, this team's depth is. Oh, and then I guess some with Caden Lyles getting hurt, I guess the, the depth at center probably does concern me as well. Uh, you know, that's probably what I would say is if it's a line depth, I think is better, but you already lose one of your, your main potential starters or key reserves uh, in the season. I think there's little room for error there. So I guess I would go with maybe uh, interior offensive line depth. I think another weakness that we need to talk about is the kicking game. Oh, special team. All right, that's a good one. Yeah. Kicking game. That's what it yeah. is. Like I'm I'm okay with the punting unit. I'm okay with the return unit. I think that's like to be seen. We can't really get a good glimpse at that through practice. But the field goal kicking unit worries me. Um, I still think they're pretty inconsistent. Um, they're probably like the same level um, as what we saw on the field this past year. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a – yeah, I totally forgot about that. Uh Bob Ferrante would would kill me if he knew that I uh, I forgot about special teams. Sorry, Bobby buckets. Uh, 
No, yeah, Ryan Fitzgerald hasn't been as consistent as you would like. I, I think at times this preseason, uh, there's one day where there was a long snapping issue where the ball kind of rolled back there, and yeah, you know, mistakes will happen. You're not going to be perfect in practice, like all across the board. But it, it is a, it's a unit that, even though Ryan Fitzgerald's numbers weren't bad last year, there is a lot of like anxiety in the fan base when the kicking unit goes out there. There's not this like inherent level of trust that's been built up, and. I guess I haven't seen anything this preseason that makes me feel like, oh yeah, like I know this is like automatic when this happens. I think that's the main thing. I think, yeah, I think that's the concern is the consistency isn't what what would make alleviate some of that anxiety on my end, and, and I can't relay that to the the fan base. Oh, you guys should feel like totally great that they got this resolved right now. I think it's still a work in progress, which isn't great entering the season. I think that's the I think that's the nomination, Zach. You nailed it. Good job. Yeah. I, I did I tell you the story of how I caught a I caught a, a field goal kick in Jacksonville? No. <laughs> um, they were lining up for for one of their like uh, things where they all huddle around and and the, the kicker kicks it and it was like wide left um, and it went back like ten yards into the I was like I was the only person standing back there and I fielded it perfectly so just wanted to brag a little bit. Did anyone like? congratulate you any of the coaches yeah. class the, the president of the boosters Stephen ponder came over and said great catch it was just wow. a big moment wow wow look at you man. i got a few texts i got a few texts saying great catch up so, you know not trying to brag but <laughs> we're we're an athletic group over here at no 24 7 Ooh, let's talk about that real quick before we get out of here uh what positions would we all play like on a football field dream team I think you'd be like a tight end. You got those big soft hands. You got it. You got the frame to be a, a like a like a good red zone tight end. Carve out some space. You'd be like a probably a bench warmer. Um, Chris Knee would be our center, and Dane would play punter. Dane Dane's got some wiry athleticism. He seems like a scrappy wide receiver to me. Like a Wes Welker. No, he's taller. He's lengthier. It's a scrappy Jim Rat of wide receivers. All right. This is going off the rails. Let's end it. Uh, for Zach Blosty, I almost called you Zach Knee. Who's your daddy? For Zach, for Zach Knee Blosty, I'm Brendan Sano. This has been an informative yet clunky episode of On the Bench. <laughs>